This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Our co-host, Charlie, is not here right now, but I am on the line with Tyler Cochran, who's an editorial fellow for Young Voices. Tyler, how you doing today? I'm doing well with that. Thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it. And we appreciate you coming on to talk about this. Now, before we get into the topic, which is going to be a little bit of the gun control conversation, the thoughts and prayers conversation, you got a great article in Town Hall talking about that. Before we get into that, could you give everyone a little bit of your backstory? Yeah, sure. So I uh, am a a law student at the University of Iowa and a master's student at Houston Christian University where I'm studying for a master's in biblical languages. Uh, I went to Missouri State before that and it was really there that I got plugged in uh, with liberty movement and really became interested in politics and started thinking through these kind of ideas and it's just my love started there and it's continued up until today. Now, when you when it comes to politics, do you identify more with Republican, Democrat, Libertarian? Where do you typically come down on things? Yeah, so I would say um, I identify mostly uh, as Republican. I'm m- more on the traditional conservative side with a Libertarian bent. Uh, when I first got introduced into the Liberty Movement with stuff, I was probably more hardcore Libertarian as a lot of uh, young conservatives wind up being, but as I've gotten a little older, I've kind of drifted back into a more, uh, traditional conservatism. I thought you were going to say realistic, uh, point of view, (laughs) (laughs) my words, not yours. Uh, So let's talk about this. Uh, I haven't made it. I haven't made it back yet. I guess I'm, I'm still kind of living in the fairy tale land of libertarianism, but Hey, someone's got to be pulling us in that direction, even if I know it's never going to get there. Uh, I guess it takes someone pulling in that direction. But let's talk about this Thoughts and Prayers article. And you're talking specifically about the shooting at Covenant School. As as, uh, you probably know, I'm I'm here in Nashville. That shooting Mm -hmm. took place, uh, you know, maybe a 20-minute drive from here, not very far away at all. Um, Obviously, very terrible tragedy. And we see this more and more. Used to be you could save Thoughts and Prayers with the victims and the families and now we've landed in a world where if you say thoughts and prayers, it's almost laughable. Like if you say thoughts and prayers, you don't mm-hmm. actually care about solving the problem. You don't actually care about those people. Don't say anything at all, right? Yeah, and that's really what we saw in the aftermath of this, again, um, is this idea typically seen among gun control advocates that they view thoughts and prayers as sort of an act of indifference as a replacement for, uh, for action. And because of that, they don't have a, a lot of positive things to say about it. That's for sure. Now, when you, when you say that we need more thoughts and prayers, I just want to ask, 
do you mean that it, through the literal power of prayer that uh, that that will solve the problem? You know what I mean? Like in a literal sense, we need more prayer so God will stop allowing the children to be killed uh, or will will bring you know love and hope upon their families. Or do you mean that this is a great mm-hmm. reflection process for everyone to go through? Yeah, so I would say it's it's both. Uh, as a believer myself, I definitely believe there is a power in asking for divine intercession into our lives. But beyond that as well, to if I was to talk to someone who maybe doesn't believe in God, that there is still a power in prayer, even if you don't believe in it. Because like I say in the article, it's a communion with wisdom. It, it allows time for reflection and to realize that you don't have control over all things. And out of that humble reflection, you can facilitate a more positive action that's constructive. Whereas if you just act in the immediate aftermath of a tragedy, you're probably going to do, be doing that out of your anger. And that's probably not going to be the kind of action that's going to build the most constructive future and might actually create more problems down the road. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned in there was that we don't really have control of the world around us and prayer can be a very humbling thing, or at least taking that time for reflection can be a very humbling thing. Um, I would say that there are specific uh, groups of people uh, politically more oriented to the left that don't accept the fact that we don't have control over the situation, that this is simply a policy choice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And the evidence just really doesn't bear that out. Um, one of the big examples of things I saw when I was doing research for this article was um, in California. For instance, they have obviously relatively strict gun gun control laws compared to the rest of the country. And while they're, they have lower rates of gun violence in a lot of other states, they have more mass shootings than any other state in the country. So that's a place where they have taken action to try and stop these things. And yet it hasn't seemed to prove all that effective. And that really just indicates that, you know, there's a lot of complex factors that contribute to gun violence, and it's really hard to pinpoint what laws will cover enough of those factors to prevent things like this from happening. Do you think that there are any laws that could actually help with this problem? I'll put you on the on the spot there. Um, what, what uh, if any, are there any laws that you would lean towards to try and solve this problem? Yeah, I... <laughs> I really don't know if there are any. I'm not saying there there can't be any, but there's a really good study done by Reason uh, last year that basically found that any correlation between gun control laws and decreases in gun violence, whether it be just day-to-day shootings or mass shootings, is really tenuous at best and can be almost chalked up to just incident incidental connections. And so I don't know of any right now that I think we know for a fact can stop these, um, especially on top of that, then that don't violate the rights of law abiding citizens to own weapons as well. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree. That was a test. Now we can continue with the uh, conversation. <laughs> good job. Did a good job. Now you, you make a, a point several times to mention that uh, when we ignore the thoughts and prayers and we just say we have to do something right now, we end up making uh, decisions out of out of wrath. 
uh, which you talk about mm -hmm. a lot actually in the title of the article as well. Can you explain that to me a bit? Yeah, for sure. So wrath isn't just anger. A lot of time people use those words interchangeably, but this is really more um, in the traditional sense of it, which is this unduly strong and long lasting anger that develops into a hatred and resentment often of the nature of being itself of, of life and existence itself. And the reason that is so problematic is that because it turns towards those things and often perpetuates tragedy. So in the aftermath of a tragedy, such as what happened in Nashville, it's understandably to, it's understandable to be angry and there's, it's right and it's just to feel anger at the loss of those lives but when you let that anger control you and become the driving force of your action you wind up creating conditions that make tragedies such as that potentially more likely as we have kind of seen because they haven't released the manifesto yet but from what the police have said about the nashville shooters manifesto is that this anger and resentment was a driving force behind her actions. And so stoking that in others is just going to facilitate the same kind of action. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I want you to think about this. Really think about the answer to this question. In the past week, how much time did you spend on yourself, on things that you needed and wanted versus the amount of time you spent on other people and what they wanted and what they needed? It's easy to get caught up worrying about everyone else and what makes them happy. And then a couple months go by and you're like, whoa, what about me? Not that it's wrong to, to want to help people. We should want to help people. But therapy can help you strike a better balance in your life so you can continue being a great friend or a great family member without getting stretched thin and burned out. My life was changed because I chose to go to therapy and our co-host Charlie has been a BetterHelp customer for years and he loves it. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, flexible, and convenient. Just fill out a few questions on the website. You get matched with a licensed therapist and you can even switch therapists at any time for no charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash G-M-L. So when you talk about uh, you know, we're talking about thoughts and prayers versus wrath. Uh, the real, the real issue that we see with gun violence, and especially these these mass shootings, if we wanted to single those out, uh, the indiscriminate mass shootings, uh, it's really a societal problem. It's an anger and a hatred uh, and a nihilism uh, problem, really, that people are going through. So th that's what we actually need to solve, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the things that, that prayer can do is, again, offering a time for humble reflection. And again, I obviously believe there is a, a divine power behind it. But even if you don't, taking that time to actually think about the problem, think about the reasons behind it, instead of just letting the anger overtake you, is really what we need to help start stop these. And that's to kind of go circle back to what you asked about the what gun control measures could be taken to prevent these kind of things even if there is say some some law that will perfectly cover this it doesn't really solve the problem it's really more of just a band-aid 
for a secondary solution where you're not getting to the root of the problem. And in fact, it could anger even more people if you go down that road and create even more of a problem uh, with never addressing the the root cause of the problem. I yeah, would say for sure, a hundred percent on the on the religious aspect of things. I'm I'm curious. Do you think so? I want to go back to this idea that we can't control the the world around us, and that is a really mm-hmm. big issue with say gun control advocates that they believe that the the right law can stop this. And man, I just, mm-hmm. just to speak on this for a moment, uh, have you noticed it's so much worse now after a shooting, this is literally treated as a policy decision. Every single shooting that happens is directly laid at the feet of someone who did not want to make a law that would have made these guns illegal. And if they would have done that, these people would still be alive. Have you, have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely one of the things uh, you see a lot. And I think that's kind of connected to the attack on thoughts and prayers is that a lot of times they see it as you chose thoughts and prayers over legislative action. And that's what led to this. I think it's really revealing, too, though, that uh, the people who wouldn't think thoughts and prayers, uh, maybe we could say they're uh, likely to be less religious. Well, being religious, uh, you would see that you aren't in control of the world around you, that that's not your job. You can't really stop all these things from happening. And so you go to thoughts and prayers. And then if you, you don't think that that is the case, then you think that you can directly change and affect the world uh, which which we do in in some ways, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but you think that it only takes a stroke of a pen or a few paragraphs on a page, and all these lives would still be here just because of your benevolence, I guess. And that's just something I just don't relate to. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do want to make clear that thoughts and prayers aren't meant to be a substitute for action, but it's supposed to be sort of the underlying motivation for the action. So out of this humble reflection, that's how you act. So it's, it's not meant to be an absolution from acting in the world or trying to prevent these things from happening, but it's trying to actually identify the root of the problem and create a solution that's going to solve that rather than ancillary issues or just action for action's sake that's meant to score kind of a cheap and easy political win. Yeah. Uh, do you think that the the people pushing for these immediate actions, uh, the gun control measures, are they are they winning this narrative right now? I seem to, uh, listen, thoughts and prayers posted on Twitter or something like that. I mean, those are just words that a politician are, are, are posting or a staffer's posting. I, 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 mm-hmm. I get that. But I've seen, I feel like I've seen less and less people saying that because it's become such an attack point for people that want to push gun control now. Do you think that they're winning this narrative that the only thing we can do is take this specific gun control action? Yeah, I would say I don't think they're winning that. Obviously, I do think there are probably more people on their side uh, than ever, obviously, in the immediate aftermath of a tragedy such as this, most people don't want to be on the side of arguing for guns. Yeah. So I think that explains part of the reason you see less of it. But I, I do think there is a growing number of people who agree with 
with that perspective. But I think the the other side is as strong as ever. I know that there are lots of states that have passed open carry, constitutional carry in recent years. And so I don't think those things would be possible if gun control advocates and the opponents of thoughts and prayers were were making a serious charge at winning this fight in the long term. So I can't go quite as far as say they're winning the battle. I definitely think they've made progress, but I think you can say the same thing for the other side. One thing, maybe you can offer us a little bit of hope right here because you're younger uh, than than me. I'm just guessing that you're definitely younger than me um, being a law student uh, still. And, and I, I failed out of college like a decade ago. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I've got to be older than you. Um, when I see online, when I see the, the next generation coming up, I will be honest with you, it scares the hell out of me. And especially here in Nashville, we've had weeks of protest, especially with a lot of young people in there uh, arguing that if you don't take people's guns away, that you're essentially arguing that they don't have a right to life. Um, I, it, the younger generation is scaring the hell out of me. And this uh, probably sounds exactly what my parents' generation uh, was saying. Are, have you, in fact, been around a lot of uh, younger people that aren't as crazy as what I typically see on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. I <laughs> definitely think Twitter in a lot of ways can reflect the worst <laughs> of yeah. our society at times. So I, I don't think it's always a, a clear picture of what the real world actually looks like, but my work with young voices in, in particular has really given me a lot of hope in that area because sometimes especially still being on campus, it can feel like all of your peers are kind of standing against you, or at least the vast majority of them. But with something like Young Voices that has so many contributors, not just in the United States, but around the world that are, you know, fighting the good fight and standing up for freedom and liberty for all, it really does inspire hope that 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 fight will continue into the future and that there is sort of a light at the end of the tunnel of that. Um, obviously, I, I think every generation feels like the, the one coming up behind them is going to be problematic. But I do think as people mature and age and get real life experiences, they hopefully will learn some lessons and grow in wisdom to the to the point that they realize they can't control everything to kind of get back to that. <laughs> All right. I, that's good. That makes me feel better. And in fact, I think that's what we're going to call it here today. I like when we get something positive, when we get something hopeful, I think that's a good time because I could, I could turn this negative again, if you want me to, but you just said some positive stuff. And I think that that's a good thing. Why don't you tell everyone, first off, I want to know what else, I want to know what else you're working on just let people know and then where they can go to follow uh, any kind of future content that you're releasing. Yeah, so I'm going to continue writing for Young Voices. I, I write mostly on the intersection of religion and politics with uh, some culture stuff on the side. I'm not working on anything in particular right now. I kind of let the news cycle guide what I'm going to write on. But if you want to follow whatever articles uh, come out from me next, you can follow me on Twitter at Tyler Cochran 54 All right, Tyler, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. It's been a pleasure talking to you today.